What's up, folks? Um, uh, thank you for hitting the high notes with us. It's hitting the high notes, Utah Jazz Talk. April Fools. Well, we're, we're the foolish, uh, foolish parts of fools on the foolish day or whatever it is. Um, uh, we're recording Wednesday on April Fool's Day. Boy, guys, that was a it was a really bad joke they played on us for, for the first three months of the year. Hopefully, by tomorrow, everything will go back to normal. We'll have NBA back, and um, uh, well, we can be talk normal stuff again. But um, uh, today we're pulling our own little um, uh, our own little prank. We only had not only just have one Jared, we have two Jareds. So first off, let's uh, 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 talk to Mr. Barker himself. Go the distance, forty nine. What's up, Jared? Hello, how are you doing? Who could you Very fool good. your mother on the foolingest day of your life? There you go. That's that's what I was trying to go for. Uh, yeah. So um, uh, we decided um, uh, one Jared is not enough for this pod. We decided to. Um, uh, invite uh he's a editor or i guess i should ask him before editor contributor for um the i'll, I'll let him talk about it. jared woodcox jared what do you do yeah so um you know right now myself along with uh you know my colleague ryan aston we are the we're calling ourselves the managing editors we think it sounds cool um, we've created our own utah jazz website uh, it's called purple mountain post so yeah i guess you can consider me the managing editor of purple mountain post yeah, Purple Mountain Post. Uh, good name. Uh, number one, alliteration, always a crowd pleaser. You know, Purple Mountains, that's, you know, the jazz, posts, obviously, uh, basketball. So very, very good. Um, uh, what was it like naming that site? Um, man, honestly, we probably would have got start, gotten started a lot sooner if it hadn't taken us so long just to come up with a dang name. Um, <laughs> we went back and back and forth on a lot of things. We were going to actually do Purple Mountain Press. Uh, but then we found that it was taken. Um, I don't remember where it was, but it was actually a domain that was already used or a company that was already already used. So we settled on Purple Mountain Post. Actually, I like it more than Press now. So we're we're glad we came to that conclusion. But yeah, it took us a long long time to come up with it. But we wanted to do something that was a little more throwbacky. You know, Ryan and I have been fans for a long time, and um, obviously the Purple Mountain jerseys are back this year and are, are all the rage. So we wanted to kind of have a nod to the days of old and a, a nod to the current times as well. And that all came together nicely. That's great. I know, like um, uh, you guys did some giveaways. Um, uh, I know J- I didn't win. Jared, did you get win any of the giveaways? Uh, Barker, I guess I should say. <laughs> no, I did not. And I'm, I'm so upset about it that I'm boycotting that blog. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but it's, well, it's, keep it's, your eyes out. We're we're planning to have a bunch more. Uh, honestly, it's it's kind of unfortunate timing that we we got everything up and running. You know, less than a month before the the league got shut down. So. We were kind of boned by the timing of that, but we're doing our best to keep things rolling and we'll have some fun giveaways soon. So keep you guys' eyes out. Keep, uh, keep trying to win. Yeah. This feels like, um, uh, uh, if you ever listen to the jazz podcast and, uh, this was like when Matt Sanchez would talk about, uh, like when the league was on strike, you know, like you just don't have as much content as you usually do. Like even in the off season, when the, when the playoffs are over the off season, the, the jazz still have, there's content, there's free agent signings, there's draft, you know, uh, to look at right now. It's just, we have nothing to look forward to because like, we don't know when the season's going to come back. I mean, they're trying their hardest to get the season to come back. They're not going to cancel anything yet. There've been, there was talk about each team having a couple practices today um, before the season would restart. And then they would play in one arena uh, with no crowd. And so, I mean, there are, there are options on the table now. So um, it sounds like they're, they're trying to get, do their best to get back and get going to play, um, um, play basketball and give us something, um, entertainment wise and uh jared barker uh and i we were just talking about this before we started recording how he said he he hasn't 
kept up with as many blogs as um, uh, surprisingly. And my we've noticed that our numbers listenership wise for the podcast has gone down. And that, I mean, it's one of those things that like when you're in quarantine, your everyday life has been uprooted. Um, you know, I, I'm listening to less podcasts because I don't have a work commute anymore. I don't have a commute where I go out and just have my earbuds in anymore. I'm stuck at home. You would think that I would listen more, but uh, for me, podcasts were a good thing to have when I was doing other things on the go. So uh, how is quarantine life treating you, Mr. Woodcox? Yeah, you know, it's it's strange to bring that up because I agree. Like, I found myself, I'm, I'm way behind on all of my podcasts. I definitely haven't been reading as much of, you know, even – even the blogs or the sites that I typically keep up with. And I, I think a lot of it just has to do with, you know, when you're in the, the thick of the season, you want to be on top of the breaking news. You want to be creating your own, you know, opinions and your own insight on things like the instant that they come up. And right now with nothing, no sports going on, it's like, I feel less motivated to read about this stuff because it's all kind of the same news or it's talking about old stuff. And you're totally right. It's weird. Just I haven't kept up with things as much as I, I normally do when we're in the thick of things, even though I've had extra time. And obviously not having the commute plays a part in that as well. But yeah, it's interesting. I found other ways to spend my time and, and haven't spent as much uh, reading blogs and listening to podcasts as I usually do. Jared Barker, what are you doing with your time now? Like, I'm, uh, um, is there anything like, are you doing any special like uh, Zoom social events or have, have you been part of like any of those car trains to wish anybody happy birthday? Have you done anything social uh, recently? Um, uh, creatively, I should ask. Um, absolutely not, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have not done any of that stuff in part because, like, my whole social life, like, is kind of rooted around meeting up with people. And, like, when you can't meet, I did one, I did a movie night where somebody streamed the movie on the Discord, but it was me and one other dude, and we didn't talk during the whole thing. So it kind of seemed like I was watching a movie by myself. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, so I yeah, I haven't I haven't really done a lot. I, you know, I see those things online where folks are like celebrating. I'm about to celebrate my 34th birthday in a couple of days, and like I'm just gonna be alone in a room, sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> that's um uh, that's the title of my biography. Um, because yeah. I, I, I like honestly, I'm I'm an introvert, and so um, like I haven't missed too many social things i'm like oh you know i, I really wish i could go out to get a, a bite to eat with somebody or you know seeing some of my friends that you know like once a month or something um but uh just like last weekend my friend hosted a trivia night type thing um uh, like bar trivia we did it over zoom um we had uh uh my bro- my buddy he had, he had his birthday yesterday and his wife surprised him by having a zoom party surprise party for him so that was kind of fun um, I mean, we just hung out. You talk on Zoom. I know a lot of people are, are doing like Google Hangouts with each other and doing Skype things. I'm, I'm trying to set up like certain game shows that you can do over over um, webcams and stuff. Uh, yeah, people are getting just creative, you know, because for all intents and purposes, April is going to be gone too. Like it sounds like a lot of stay-at-home orders are going through the end of April, which for me is fine. Like I'm not missing too much. I It, it would be nice to get back to work at some point. <laughs> But um, um, yeah, there are, there are several things. Um, I like you just mentioned doing a movie over Discord. Um, with the NFL draft coming up, my buddy and I have a tradition of watching Draft Day together, the the best awful movie out there that we know of. Um, and yeah, we're 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 trying to figure out a way to stream that together so we can watch like we always uh you know tradition wise. But uh, back to jazz basketball. 
Uh, great. So, Jared. Yeah. It's so yeah, great, right. that movie. <laughs> Draft day? Oh, yeah. Pat can't yeah. eat mother can whatever. Just, <laughs> yeah, because you, you just can't imagine the Browns making any, like, really bold trades like that and, like, oh, going yeah. for broke. And, uh, when the and movie so came like, out, I... It's totally unrealistic slash, slash like, I don't know. Like, yeah, right. Great. Like, I'm a... When that movie came out, I want to say like Fast Six or whatever the one that had the long runway came out, and I said I can suspend my disbelief long enough to believe that that plane was on that runway for as long as it was, versus what happens in the draft day and all the trades that go down and everything. So, but you know, yeah, like I'll trade you three seconds for your for your six round pick. It's a good trade, trust me. Nah. Anyway, uh, back to Pearl Mountain Post. Um, uh, a lot of good blog posts out there. Um, again, if you're bored, like and. It's hard, you know. We're trying to come up with content to talk about the Utah Jazz when there's no new content out. You know, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell are free of symptoms. Awesome. Donovan Mitchell is going to be in NBA 2K uh, video game tournament. Great. But, you know, it's not what we want. We, we want basketball. We want news. We want to know if these guys are still good with each other, but we don't have that information. So we figure out um, uh, things that we can talk about. Again, I said, if this is the offseason, great. We can talk about free agents coming in. We can talk about what to use the mid-level exception on. We can talk about who should get new contracts. And in a way, Jared Woodcox, um, uh, you sort of explored those ideas. Yeah, so in an article I did, you know, uh, you know, just last week on Purple Mountain Post, uh, I really dove into who I thought would be back and, and who I thought wasn't going to be back next season. And, you know, sadly, some of these players that might be the last time we ever see them in a jazz uniform, just based on not knowing what this season is going to bring, if it is going to resume, um, if we've already seen the end of it. And for the most part, I think the jazz are going to look pretty similar um, next year. Um, obviously there could be some things changing, but what I did in that article is I, I went through each player and really made my prediction on whether I think they're going to stay or they're going to go. Um, another thing to weigh into that too, is obviously the jazz don't have a ton on the free agent front, um, but there could be trades. There could be some things shaken up. And so it was really worthwhile to go through each player and give my two cents on that. All right. So I'm, uh, going to look at the, uh, article here is pulling up. Um, uh, so who are your, the shoe wins that you're, you're like, these guys are shoe in. Uh, shoe ins to, um, yeah. uh, and if you forget them, I have them in front of me. So you could just start talking about them. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, obviously nothing's guaranteed in the NBA. I mean, for all we know, someone could, you know, request a trade tomorrow and all of a sudden things are changing. But I had, you know, Donovan Mitchell as, as a shoe in. I mean, the Jazz have control over um, his contract situation for the next several years. I know that Tony Jones for the Athletic uh, recently wrote about how the Jazz are planning to give him a max extension. I don't think that surprises anybody. Um, I did touch on in the article that obviously with with some of this uh, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell drama, um, we've kind of had this idea that, hey, there might be a him or me situation where Mitchell Gobert, maybe they don't want to be on the same team anymore. I don't know if it's quite that bad or not. I, I guess we'll see what happens. But even if it did come to that, I do think the Jazz would opt to stick with Mitchell, um, not only you know just because of the control they have over his contract, but because he is just a PR dream and a ticket-selling dream. Obviously, he's endeared himself to the fan base that's not to say that Gobert hasn't. I think Gobert has done a lot more for this community than, you know, he gets credit for. He can sometimes be overshadowed by Donovan. Um, but I still think that Jazz ultimately would pick Donovan no matter what, even if it did come to that kind of dire situation. So for me, Donovan is a shoe-in. Um, well, so I would consider my... uh, sorry, real quick. Oh, go ahead. Can we explore, uh, like you talked about um, Donovan's, uh, the contract and everything. And you t- uh, in your article, you kind of talked about um, how you think it might be over, like you, you, I think your words you said were it's just as likely that it's overblown as, as it is that there is something 
to worry about um uh and why do you yeah. i mean just explain that because i i like to temper the uh trepidations of the listeners on the podcast for sure i mean you know i don't i don't claim to have any sort of inside scoop into what is personally going on with donovan mitchell and rudy gobert um but you know one way that i really look at it is if we were still in the middle of the season and if games were still going on, I just don't think this would have been obviously nearly as big of a story. Um, on one hand, I do think there has been some issues kind of brewing between Mitchell and Gobert for, for quite a while. I'm um, even dating back to previous seasons. Um, and, and obviously all this coronavirus stuff is what really uh, set things over the edge. But at the same time, I think part of the reason why it's been so blown up is because we just have nothing else to talk about. I mean, there's no games. There's been no update as far as, you know, either Donovan or any other teammates coming out in support of Rudy Gobert. Um, some of that might be directive to kind of stay quiet because it is a health issue. And, and, you know, there's other things at stake here. But I just have a feeling that, you know, possibly if we were still playing games, that this could have been sorted out a lot easier. The fact that all the players are in quarantine, that they're away from each other, and that we just have nothing else to talk about, I could see this being blown up more than it really is. I still think there's a chance that once games resume and Donovan and Rudy get a chance to practice together and work things out and, you know, be two men and come together and talk things through, I, I really think that this could still be repaired. I don't think that we've reached a breaking point by any right, means. That's right. my opinion. I'm Barker. I'm, uh, um, with with the Donovan and Rudy rift. I guess I talked about my feelings about it last week, where I thought they were. Do you think, uh, as us, like you and I, on a podcast, should we bring be bringing this up more? Like, there's been talk about a rift for a few months now. Uh, before, you know, COVID nineteen. Uh, you know, it's when like Rudy was asking for the ball and like the frustrations in that five game losing streak when Rudy just seemed like he was giving up when he was not getting the ball on offense, like. Should we have been bringing this up more? Do you think that I'm a, this is a rift that we should be talking about, you and I? I mean, if I go back and look at it, you know, you look at some of the things Tony Jones has said in recent weeks and stuff he was saying before, I feel like a lot of times we've kind of followed the same tenor, same tone that he has, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Like if your if your coverage mirrors the best jazz coverage in the state, then uh, you're probably doing okay. So Jared, I'm uh, let's just like uh, on the list of people that you think are gonna stay. So like Mike Conley, obviously because um his he's probably not gonna give up his thirty uh, five ish million player option. Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, you think Rudy Gobert is uh, obviously a lock for next year? Um, you want to ex- expand on that a little bit too? Yeah, I mean, so in that article, I actually had him in the section where it was more of a, I had the up in the air. Um, I did eventually oh, right, predict right. that Rudy Gobert, no, you're good. I, I eventually did. I predicted that Rudy Gobert would stay, um, but I wouldn't necessarily say he's a lock. I'd say he would be the one that could be on the fence, just depending on where this drama goes. And I think you touched on some things that were, you know, spot on as far as, is there concerns about him not getting enough touches? Is there worries about he doesn't fit in with this locker room anymore? Are the chemistry issues too bad? And if for some reason he or the Jazz front office or a combination of the two feel that it's just not going to work anymore with Gobert, I could see them trying to to move him, you know. And so there is that that possibility that he does get moved this offseason. Personally, though, I think even if they do look to part ways, I think he'll still be on the Jazz roster to start next year. And any sort of trade with him, I think, would take place, um, you know, maybe leading up to the deadline or, or sometime during the middle of the year next year. That's what I would predict. But but. I don't know. It's a very strange situation and kind of a sticky situation. And a lot of it is we're operating on speculation because we just don't know how real the trouble between Gobert and Mitchell or Gobert and the rest of the team really is. Right. And so, uh, and Gobert, um, uh, 
is going to be you know up for a super max extension so this could play into it as well because um you know a super max is you know we've talked about this on this podcast a lot that super maxes um, are not going to the players that really they're meant for like the super max is meant for a kevin durant Kawhi leonard lebron james type but those guys have shown that they're willing to leave that money on the table um and guys who are getting it, uh, John Wall, I think, got one. Yeah. Uh, even Dame Lillard, who probably deserves it, but is also going to be um, uh, coming into the tail end of his, you know, it's in the second half of his, of his career, you know. So in two or three years, that contract could look really bad. Russell Westbrook got it, and he got traded away. Um, these are supposed to be guys that are supposed to be franchise cornerstones, but they're not. The Supermax was supposed to keep these guys on their team. Um, and so that's, you know, we, we're going to have longer conversations about this as well. I don't want to get too far into it, but the Super Max is something that might uh, show them if Gobert is going to stay in Utah or not. It's a, um, it's, a, it's a contract that it should be renamed the Unintended Consequences contract because it's, it's caused more problems than it's worth. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it is, unfortunately, it is what it is. Like, um, there, there, there are max guys or super max guys, and as an NBA player, you should probably want as much money uh, as you can get. And you know, we can't fault the players for, you know, not taking the money. And it's nice when they give hometown discounts, but you know, again, these guys, these guys' careers are cut, cut down in third at you know thirty-five to forty, unless you're LeBron James and you're playing till fifty or whatever. And um, uh, yeah, they're they're just trying to make the the best of their situations. Uh, some of the guys that um, uh, Jared Woodcock talks about staying is Joe Ingles, Tony Bradley, Yang, Royce O'Neal, Mia Oni, Juwan Morgan, Rajon Tucker, Jarrell Bradley. Those are all um, pretty. Um, uh, pretty. Uh, we don't need to talk about them. I mean, it's obvious. But Jordan Clarkson, you have as a stay as well. And uh, why do you think that? Yeah, I mean, obviously he, um, you know, he he could definitely leave. He is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Um, and, and sometimes I think we can be led to believe a certain thing. Like maybe we are just assuming that Clarkson likes it in Utah because he's in a winning situation. He seemed to have good chemistry with his teammates. So sometimes I think maybe we make assumptions that aren't really there. Um, but I really do think that Clarkson has found a nice fit and a good niche. And the fact that the Jazz have his bird rights, so they are going to be able to pay him, you know, what he's looking for, assuming the front office, you know, wants to do that. I think they have a good chance of keeping him. And the fact that having a bench score um, as prolific as Clarkson has been something that's really eluded the Jazz in recent seasons. They've had a hard time finding that additional guy that can just get buckets off the bench. Um, since they found one that seems to fit well, both in terms of chemistry and in terms of Quinn's system, I think they're going to be open to keeping him. And everything we've seen seems to indicate that Clarkson is, is okay with staying as well, as long as the deal's right. So I have a good feeling the Jazz are going to be able to hold on to him, which would be a pretty big win especially considering their, you know, their kind of history with uh, free agency. Uh, Woodcox, are you a, are you a, a, a cap guy? Or like, are, are you good at, are, are you, do you feel comfortable giving us a number you think that would be good for uh, a Jordan Clarkson to come back on? Man. Um, I think he's making 15 well, I'll, I'll look it up right now, what he's making. Yeah, because I, 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 I think about what he's making right now is what I would feel comfortable with the Jazz bringing him back at. I want to say, isn't he in like the 14 to 16 right now? That's about, oh yeah, it looks like a, a four-year, $50 million deal. So Okay, yeah. Um, and I mean, obviously Clarkson's not without his faults. I'm not going to sit here and say that he is just, you know, the ideal player um, or that he, he, you know, 
he's, he's going to be like the answer or the one that's going to push the needle extremely well for the jazz. Um, just look it up. Yeah. He's making 13.4 million right now. Um, but if the jazz were to be able to keep him for somewhere in that 14 to 17 range on average per year, um, I'd be, I'd be good with it because I just think the jazz needs someone of his caliber that can score. Um, they need someone that wants to be here, which if obviously if he's willing to resign and wants to resign as an unrestricted free agent, I think there's a good chance that's going to be the case. And then I just think that one thing that he doesn't get enough credit for is he's obviously really changed his game as far as um, still not perfect, like I said, but he's definitely gotten much more efficient than he was. He's taking better shots. He's doing his best to you know work within the system. And one thing that I love about Clarkson that um, I think sometimes goes unnoticed is while he's not a perfect defender by any means, he's, he obviously had a lot of faults fault on that end of the floor. I feel like he's a guy that never lacks hustle. He never lacks effort. And I would take a guy that's coachable, um, that's adaptable like that over someone that might have more talent, but isn't going to try as hard every game. I would take the, the former um, 10 times out of 10. So I think especially as he gets another year under his belt with Quinn Snyder and with this jazz team, I think we could see him progressively get better. And I really think that, you know, in that 14 to $17 million range is going to be worth it for a guy like Clarkson that the jazz have his bird rights on. Yeah. J- Jared Barker is a huge um, uh, Clarkson truther. I'm on the fence uh, as I've talked about before. Um, on the bright side, the the pro here is that again you talked about having those bird rights. Um, so what a lot of uh, fans I see on Twitter don't understand is they're like, do do the Jazz have the money to sign him? What what what's great is that if the Jazz in the off season can, um, they can uh, do their the the sequence of how they sign uh, people. Uh, they can get Clarkson um, regardless because they can use their exceptions, the mid-level exceptions or whatever, and get those agents, free agents in, and then they can go over the cap to um, assign their own players. The only thing that is worrisome about that is that the Jazz do have a lot of expensive players now on the roster, especially if Rudy Gobert gets the Supermax extension and then you got to kick in Donovan's extension. Um, Jared Barker, do you think Jordan Clarkson is somebody of the Jazz need to toe the line to get the luxury tax for? Uh, luxury tax? Clarkson? Because yeah. it sounds, I, I do believe if the Jazz, like if they use the middle-level exception, use a couple of other exceptions they have, and, you know, re-sign the guys, give the extensions to at least Donovan, and if they re-sign Clarkson at, I, I want to say, $15, $14 million a year, they'd probably be towing that luxury tax line pretty closely. I'm not so sure that they would, that, that the, he's going to get that much money. Just my personal opinion. What do you What do you think a contract for him is going to be? Um, I'd say twelve to fourteen is a little bit safer for me. I don't think he's going to get fourteen to sixteen. I I think that's right. I think I think maybe low end. Like if you're lucky, maybe he signs a a short term three year, thirty six to forty million dollar deal. But even mm-hmm. then, that's that's still pretty close. I mean, we're only talking about a couple million dollars. Um, which is it could be big if you're in the luxury tax. So I, I don't um, know if he's a player that you break the bank for, but I really don't know what what things are going to look like. It's all going to depend on what happens with the Donovan and Rudy. Because honestly. I mean, he he does bring a, a certain um, punch off the bench that we haven't seen. Like I I can't remember the last like bench guy to do what uh, Clarkson has done for the Jazz. And this, this the things that I was skeptical about when he first came in. Um, you know, his defense and like the the fact that he's not a really great point guard, that he's a good scoring guard, but not a great point guard. It's been offset. Like he he's I think he's a neutral player to me. Like I think he scores enough to um, bring that emotion and stuff off the bench that it, it's worth it. So 
uh, I don't know, but luxury tax, it's going to be tough for the Jazz next couple of years if um, uh, all these extensions hit at the same time. So, um, yeah. one thing, one thing too, just real quick that will affect not just the Utah Jazz, but the entire league is we honestly oh, yeah. don't know what the cap situation is going to look like after the coronavirus stuff. And especially after, you know, obviously, even before all this happened, there was the incident with the Houston Rockets in China. Um, the NBA was worried that it could affect the bottom line. So we don't even know what the cap might look like in the next few years or what the repercussions are going to be. That could change team strategies immensely. So you, you bring up a good point about is Clarkson going to be worth it as far as, you know, going to that luxury tax. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. The basketball is a business, you know, like, yes, he's a great player, but you know, if, if Jordan Clarkson is not that piece that puts you over the top as, you know, a, at least a contender, you know, as, as one of the top yeah. four teams in the NBA, you know, you can't sit in the luxury tax for more than a couple of years. You know, the repeater tax is awful and yeah. And the jazz just can't afford that. You know, it is, it, it's hard. Um, and, and here's one quick question. I too, think with is, the shrinkage you know, that could change a lot of what we're thinking about, like uh, as certain, in terms of contracts, it might affect it. It might go the other way, the same amount that um, in the summer of what, 2016 when they were giving out money like candy. Yeah. And, but I mean, it could be one of the things that like, we don't see it uh, next year, but the year after that, you know, the contract all of a sudden the cap doesn't go up as much as we think. And then, yeah. Uh, what were you saying, Jared? Oh, I was going to say one of the things to consider too, when looking at like how much Clarkson's going to be worth is this is a pretty weak free agent class this summer. So are you going to have some desperate team out there that's willing to throw a huge offer Clarkson's way to the Jazz say, man, even with bird rights or even with being able to go over the cap to sign him, we just don't want to pay him that much. I mean, I think that's a risk too that could happen is with a weak free agency, a desperate team that needs a score, he could get more than he's worth, honestly, this offseason. So that could be tough for the Jazz too. Oh, yeah, I just, I just got flashbacks to the Portland Trailblazers um, uh, doing a poison pill contract somewhere, so. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, uh, so some of the players that you call them the trailblazers, like, yeah. Uh, so two of the players, because we talked about, I mean, JWF and uh, NWG, <laughs> Nigel Williams, Goss, and Justin White Roman, probably gone in your in your eyes, and I, I can't disagree there. Uh, two big ones that I think are also obvious, but let's talk about it because uh, there's one is a fan favorite, one is a guy that uh, the Jazz signed that we thought was going to be good. So let's talk about Emmanuel Mudiay first. Um, just give us the reasoning about why he's going to leave. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I think that there is a mutual like liking between the two parties. I think Moody would, there's a good chance he'd like to stay in Utah after the success he had this year. I think the jazz may want to keep him, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, I think for cap reasons and because Moody has had some good moments this year, he's shown improvement. I think that he's going to get an offer, you know, better than what the jazz are going to want to pay him. Not to say that's going to be a huge offer, but it's not going to take much to prime away. Obviously he's on a minimum this year. Um, the other thing is, you know, Moody got a lot of playing time early in the year. He had some really great moments, um, but ever since Conley had come back and was, you know, playing his, his typical rotation minutes, Moody had kind of been pushed out of the rotation and so there's that as well, that maybe even though Moutier has liked his time with Quinn Snyder, he's liked his fit on the team. He may be looking for simply a better role and then obviously more money elsewhere that the Jazz won't be able to give him. So all those factors combined, I just don't see a way the Jazz keep him next year unless he's willing to take a pretty steep discount to stay in Utah because it's just been such a good fit for him. But that, that's what I think there. All right, Jared Barker, here's, here's a situation for you. Is Moutier someone that you give – part of your mid-level exception too because you can you know the middle of exception is usually about eight million dollars um so you can use that on one player you can use that on multiple players what if media said he would stay for only four million dollars 
um, uh, would you give uh, part of that money to um, uh, Moudier? With the caveat knowing that you only have about $4 million to add another piece to your team. No. No? Just, yeah. Just Plain no. and simple. <laughs> well, I just don't think he really moves the needle enough for you. Um, he, I mean, he, at this point, he, he did improve with the Jazz those first few months and he got better. But I really, there's some people that really put the cape on for Emmanuel. And, you know, he's, he's a nice guy. He's a decent player. I just don't see it. I don't see the fit. I don't see, I don't see how you could justify giving him, say, four or five million instead of I, looking for somebody else who's a better roster fit. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'd be honest, like it doesn't sound like a lot. Four or five million doesn't sound like a lot, but it, it is when it's 50% of your free agent spending. Yeah. Uh, if that's a way to, to talk about it, I guess. And it, it's hard because like Moody um, is a guy that came in with, he, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. He came in with zero expectations. Nobody thought yeah. he was going to be uh, getting constant roster minutes, um, uh, consistent roster minutes, excuse me. Uh, Dante Exum was slated to be ahead of him still as the backup point guard. Uh, but he came in. I mean, he doesn't have a three-point shot. That's that's his main knock. But man, man like his mid-range is really good. Like he does that like little move where he gets right in the lane, does a stop, and mm-hmm. then that, that little fade away from about you know ten feet out. He's pretty deadly with that little that little move there. Um, his passing was getting better. Um, I don't know. Like I, I'm torn. Yeah, well, like for for as much as you kill Jordan Clarkson for being a ball stopper, you're really high on. A ball stopper that is Emmanuel Moutier. Uh Both of them are ball stoppers. I mean, I, he was yeah. getting better. I was just like, yeah, they're, they're both them uh, ball stopper point guards. I just think Moody is a little better at that. I that's what I, I think they replicated a lot of their um, skills that they had. Uh, another player that you, you're saying is going to leave, but this is a guy that the Jazz have on contract for another year. Uh, I know I did personally. I thought Ed Davis was going to be a huge, huge signing for the Jazz. The Jazz got him for a really cheap contract when you think about it. Two years, uh, mid, uh, not even the, uh, the mid-level, the mini-mid-level um, last year, and it just hasn't worked out. Uh, we talked about it, just the fit's not there, like his, his role game's not there. But this is a guy who almost, you know, Memphis, Portland, uh, Brooklyn, has played really well where he's gone. And uh, Jared, you think that there's a, there's a role for Ed Davis somewhere just on the Jazz? Yeah, I mean, I'm right with you. I was extremely high on Ed Davis when the Jazz signed him originally. Um, I thought that he was going to be kind of like a favors light. Obviously, I didn't think he would replace all the favors did, uh, but he's just been a non-factor. It's it's really been discouraging to see. And, you know, I wish we had a way to tell if, hey, did that leg injury in the season play a role in that? But even before he got hurt, I mean, even in preseason, those few games before that, he didn't look good either. And I just think the Jazz have to figure out a way to move on from him. Um, nothing against him, obviously, personally or anything like that. Um, but you just can't be paying someone to to not contribute at all. And I think he's played well enough recently enough, you know, for other teams, as you mentioned, um, that there could be some teams willing to, you know, swing a deal for him. And so I think the Jazz have to explore every avenue because you need someone in that position that can be relied on. And you can't just have, I know it's a good contract, but even the amount he's making, what is it, like $5 million or so? Um, yeah. You can't have that just sitting on the bench, not not producing anything. And it has been kind of reassuring to see Tony Bradley make some strides this year. Um, I've been really happy to see that. Um, but I don't know if you want to bank your, you know, your playoff or your hopefully championship hopes on Tony Bradley. It'd be nice to have more of a backup big you could count on. Yeah, I mean, Tony Bradley, I know you have him as a stay, but man, like, a, <laughs> I, I'd be, it'd be hard pressed for me to see him as a jazz man for more than, you know, a few million dollars, like five, four or $5 million. Cause I mean, if you think more than Ed Davis money, that's crazy. 
Um, I, I hope so. Uh, around the trade deadline, Ed Davis's name didn't really garnish a lot of uh, trade offers out there, you know. Uh, but in yep. the offseason, changes like in the in the middle of the season, trading Ed Davis for a you know a mid second round pick is not that appealing because Ed Davis could still be emergency backup center if you get in the playoffs and you know one of your bigs gets hurt. You know you can you can throw Ed Davis in, in there still. He's a body uh, versus you know some guy off the street. Um, but in the offseason, you know maybe maybe a draft pick looks really good. Uh, maybe there's somebody out there, or maybe you just want the cap relief. Cap relief, excuse me. I don't know. So uh, to to stay out of the luxury tax, if, if trading Ed Davis away for a draft pick helps you net, you know, an extra two million for Jordan Clarkson, that might be a good trade off. So, uh, yeah. well, that was great. A great again. Go to so give us a website again. Uh, PurpleMountainPost.com. And then what's the Twitter handle for that? It's at Purple MTN Post. So yeah, Mountain abbreviated at Purple MTN Post. You got you got to have you got to have short handles so people can um, uh, yeah. uh, use their characters, you know, for Twitter. <laughs> um, uh, exactly. We're gonna take a we're, we're gonna take a break. Terms tight handles. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, good one. Um, all right, I, I'm gonna have Jared Squared come back. We're gonna we're gonna take a break here. Uh, we're doing something a little fun while we're you know still on quarantine break. We're gonna look at some past Jazz teams, go through some memories, and just talk about the feelings we had about certain teams. Jared Wilcox, he chose the uh, you chose the 9 2010 Utah Jazz team, correct? Yep. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay, so we're gonna come back. We're gonna talk about the 9 2010 Jazz team. Be right back. All right, folks, welcome back. It is hitting the high notes, the Utah Jazz talk. And uh, I'm here, it's me, Who Tran at Who Tran Superman, that's H U U T R A N, Superman, S U P E R M A N. Of course, here with Jared Barker and Jared Woodcox of the Purple Mountain Post. You can follow them on Twitter at Purple MTN Post, Mountain Abbreviated. And Jared, what's your personal handle for, for the folks out there? Yeah, it's just my first and last name, at Jared Woodcox. So, yeah, be sure to give both a, a follow. I'd really appreciate it. We love it. Love it. So, um, uh, so we're, again, we're doing a new thing. We're just going to talk retro jazz. You know, we're, we're doing a uh, – Jared, give us a retro jazz uh, theme music uh, when, you give us, when you get a second. Um, so we're just going to look back at some past jazz teams, uh, talk about some of our favorite teams that we liked, just good memories that we had about those teams, and, um, uh, and, and go through that. So um, uh, Jared Woodcox here chose – uh, the 20, uh, 2009 or 2009, as I was say, 2009 and 2010 Utah Jazz team. So, this is a Jazz team. Start 2009. What? Um, uh, so <laughs> this is a Jazz team. So, first thing first, they they drafted Eric Maynard that year. I just looked it up. Eric Maynard, um, yep, who I, I think played like maybe I want to say five or ten games for the Jazz because he was traded to um, uh, uh, he was traded very quickly to the that Thunder, year, didn't he? To the Thunder, uh, because oh, yeah, the Jazz. Yeah. The Jazz were in salary cap hell and had to get rid of Matt Harpy's contract. And Matt Harpy retired as soon as he was traded. Um, but Matt Harpy was no longer Matt Harpy at that point. He was, you know, getting ready for his broadcasting career. So that was uh, that one upset me actually. I, I thought Eric Maynard was going to be a perfect back because uh, those were the years that the Jazz had Darren Williams as their point guard and things were great. But backup point guard would come in and the quality was was there was such a huge drop off and maybe it's my fault for expecting because i was expecting too much from a backup point guard when you had you know an all nba point guard on your team so of course there's gonna be a drop off but man like the drop off from that point guard uh, spot was 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 harsh so 
Um, they drafted some random guy in the second round named Goran Sutton. Yeah, I, I think a guy that never played for the Jazz ever. Uh, <laughs> but that team, I'm, uh, that that team had Memo Kerr, uh, Boozer, Paul Millsap, um, Ronnie Price uh, as a backup uh, point guard. The Saudi oh, yeah. Gaines, uh, that's the year that he um, uh, joined the Jazz. Uh, Fasenko, uh, one of our favorite, well, at least one of my favorite Jazz players. Uh, uh, Thias Jeffers, uh, probably our 15th man. Andre Karolinko. Um, he was, you know, on his second Coast to last year. Coast. Uh, on his second to last year, uh, in uh, on his max max contract, Kyle Korver, uh, West Matthews, CJ Miles. So a really good team, uh, a team that had uh, a lot of shooters. Uh, they had um. Uh, they had oh wait, Boozer. have we not brought the Koof over yet? He was still uh, in Greece. Costa Oh no, he uh, he he's he's Greek Greek, but he played at Ohio State. So was that Costa right. second or third year? Uh, that was a guy that um, fell to the Jazz, and he was uh, a backup center. So the Jazz had some pretty good guys. I mean, Boozer, Millsap, and O'Kerr were were really great. I'm um, a front man. Yeah, Darren Williams again. Uh, he was still an All NBA guard at that point. Um, you know, West Matthews uh, was that West Matthews' only year in Utah, I think, or second year uh, before he got the the contract. So that was a fun team to watch. Hey, here's a name for you. Uh, <laughs> drafted the year before, Ante Tomic. <laughs> yeah, the contract of Ante Tomic will never die. Um, uh, <laughs> the legend of Ante Tomic, the ballad of Ante Tomic. <laughs> um, uh, I'm trying to figure out if I, I'm trying to remember who. Uh, I'll, I'll look up if the Jazz made any big free agent signings that year. But Jared, tell us, uh, Woodcox, just tell us some of what you felt about that Jazz team. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this Jazz team holds a super special place in my heart. So, um, you know, a little bit of background about why I wanted to choose this one was I actually grew up in Colorado. And, you know, that was pre-league pass days. So I didn't have access to watch all the jazz games, even though I was a huge jazz fan. So, you know, anything on national TV I could watch when they were playing the Nuggets, I could watch uh, WGN, which is based a channel based out of Chicago. I could watch whenever the jazz played the Bulls. Um, but, you know, it was pretty rare that I got to watch all the jazz games. So it was a lot of listening to the audio um, on the web, uh, you know, looking up box scores after games, looking up highlights. Um, and so this year was actually my first year in college. You know, I, I went to Utah State uh, for my freshman year and uh, I was actually able to watch every single jazz game. So it was a big deal for me. So this was a team that I really got to follow. Well, I got to follow them more than I'm able to follow, you know, jazz teams for several years before that. And it was just chock full of players that I was just obsessed with. I mean, Darren Williams is my favorite player, you know, all throughout high school growing up. Um, loved Kyle Korver as well. Um, and then um, kind of the ironic thing about this year, too, was, you know, all growing up, I was the jazz fan living ab- amongst a bunch of Nuggets fans. And so I was all excited when I went to, to school, at Utah State, thinking that finally I'd have other jazz fans to hang out with. Well, I ended up going to school that, that first year with my best friend from high school. So he was a Nuggets fan. And then one of our other kids there at Utah State that we hung out with the most was also was also a big Nuggets fan. So even though I was finally in Utah where I could watch the jazz, I was still surrounded by a couple of Nuggets fans. So it's kind of ironic that then <laughs> knowing that and they would give me crap all year about the jazz and the Nuggets, they ended up playing each other in the first round of the playoffs. So then that made it fun. And obviously I got the last laugh. So just all around, it was a great, fun year. Uh, wish that series against the Lakers would have gone a little better, obviously. But for the most part, I, I just love that 0-9-10 team and, and love that first round playoff series. Yeah, it just feels like the Jazz. Um, uh, the Jazz uh, always seem to like run into those power, like the Lakers, the Spurs. You know, like <laughs> yeah. just pretty hard there. But yeah, that that was a Jazz team that was uh, just a couple years removed from the uh, from the Western Conference Finals run. They were still pretty young. 
Um, so what I remember from this year, this is like the year that we were uh, Boozer was kind of out the door. Like I'm a Boozer signed up for his last year. Paul Millsap on the bench. A lot of players mm-hmm. really like Paul Millsap because or a lot of, a lot of fans really like Paul Millsap because of the um like the hustle that he brought. Like he just felt like he was working a lot harder than Boozer was really talented, but he just never seemed to have the heart that Paul Millsap had. And I yep. think a lot of Jazz fans were were kind of done with Boozer. Boozer had um, uh, you know after that 07 season had a couple seasons uh, shortened by you know just like injuries like he went from playing you know 70 games to like 50 games um and yeah boozer was kind of he wasn't as endearing to jazz fans um uh that, you know it happens um but this is kind of like the end of that that era you know because this is the last year before you know darren went um this was uh um if i remember correctly the jazz uh jazz were only excited because they had a good team they were second in the northwest like right behind the nuggets like you said but they also had mm-hmm. that new york knicks pick and so they were watching the knicks because like um, uh, they were hoping the Knicks um, uh, would tank, you know, enough that the Jazz would get like a top five pick and end up getting what the number nine and got Gordon Hayward, right? So um, in a fairly weak draft, but yeah, uh, uh, you know, the Jazz big. I want to say the big free agent that they got last year was undrafted free agent Wes Matthews. Um, unfortunately for yeah. them, they they didn't do what they did with Royce O'Neal, is that they only gave him a, uh, a one year contract with no bird rights. And that's, that's probably why Royce O'Neal has the contract he has now because Wes Matthews um, uh, was the blueprint for that. Like if they if they, if they had just given him, you know, a, a couple years on his contract, they would have had a chance to match or control um, uh, you know, or, or give an extension to Wes Matthews. And Wes Matthews is one of those players that I really liked playing for the Jazz. I really wished we had we would have more than one year with him. You know, so. Yeah, um, and I loved Wes Matthews. I loved C.J. Miles. Like even like guys like Ronnie Price, and and you know the, obviously that year was the year of that awesome Sundiata game shot that I still right. remember jumping off my bed watching that game live, going crazy. And yeah, I mean it was just such a fun team. And you know you mentioned Boozer, and I'd say Boozer was probably one of the probably the player that I was the least happy with on that team. And you know it's ironic because you know he had so many injury problems. You could tell he was not really committed to being there. But then in his defense, he played awesome in that series against Denver. I mean, he was definitely one of the heroes, uh, partially probably because he wanted to be recognized and and be able to go sign somewhere else after that. But he was really good in that series. But, you know, just other than him across the board, it was a team that I just absolutely loved. And, um, yeah, I wish if if they would have been a little healthier, I'm not saying they would have beat the Lakers, but I think they could have given the Lakers more of a series. Obviously, I think Karolinko had some injury struggles then. That was the year that Okor, I believe, hurt his Achilles and was out. So they had some rough go in the in the playoffs a little bit with injuries, but it would have been fun to see what they could have done if they'd stayed healthy. Yeah, this seems like the this is the end of error team that you picked. <laughs> like this yeah, is the end of that uh, that Daryl Williams era, basically. Uh, I know that they yeah, came back next year with them, but yeah, that was it. That was the last full year with those guys. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but one of the games that really stands out to me that year is I, I believe it was in April, so it was really close to the end of the regular season. And the Jazz just won an absolute thriller against the Oklahoma City Thunder, who obviously that was when they had Durant, Westbrook, and Harden. And I think, you know, uh, Williams had something like 42 points, something along those lines, and just he went off. And, you know, where it was so close to the playoffs and the Jazz had beat such a good team, it had you thinking, man, this this team might be the real deal come playoff time. And um, they certainly were competitive, obviously beat a good Nuggets team with uh, Carmelo Anthony and Chauncey Billups. Um, but they just weren't able to get over the hump that was Los Angeles Lakers, obviously. But just a fun team and a lot of fun memorable games that whole year. Was that a was that a Powell and Kobe Laker team? I believe, yeah, I'm almost positive it was. 
Yeah, I mean, because I, I I do remember that Boozer had just huge problems playing against that Laker team. Like he just could not match up lengthwise, and uh, because like Boozer was not a, a tall guy, he was just he was very crafty around the the rim. But the problem is that he wasn't explosive, didn't have much of a vertical, and so Sam yeah. Pagasol would just eat him up. And um, I want to say, was, oh God, what's was that Andrew that was, Bynum on that team too? Probably. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was the title team. Yeah. Yep. And yep, I said that was they went on to win the championship, obviously. So that was a, a very tough team to have to meet in the second round. And um if you guys will recall it, man, I can see it to this day, but I I want to say it was game three um in that Jazz Lakers series where uh Wes Matthews had a chance to tip in the shot at the buzzer that would have won the game for the Jazz and he he just missed the tip in. And man, I remember literally falling out of my chair so frustrated and it was so close and I mean, sure, the Jazz probably would have still lost the series, but obviously being 2-1, getting to have game four at home would have made for a lot more interesting series than being down 3-0 at that point. So it's just yeah, a, a we heartbreak. Yeah, three with 3-0, it's basically over. It's demoralizing. Teams um, uh, teams are at that point yeah. are like, do they really want to go back to L.A.? You know, like, like do you really yeah. want to go play really hard today, have another practice, have another shoot-around, and fly back to L.A. to get possibly um, – uh, you know, beat there, you know, it's hard. I mean, it, it, mentally it's hard. Um, yeah. But yeah, this, so I mean, this was the year. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was gonna say this was the year too. I don't know if you guys will remember, but um, I, I remember before the game four, I, I don't know which reporter it was, but some reporter asked Boozer essentially something along the lines of like, you know, a lot of people, there was a headline, I think out of Utah where it had said series over or it's all over. And Boozer just gave this like evil look, this evil stare down at the reporter asking that question about the headline that, no, it's not over. Then sure enough, the Jazz lost game four and it was over, but it was just kind of funny to see that reaction. You like to see that fight a little bit, but it was unfortunately all talk and didn't actually transit onto the court. <laughs> yeah, Boozer. <laughs> oh, Boozer. Um, uh, Jared, I, I know this is near your Utah Jazz blind spot, but it sounds like you, you did watch this team, right? Absolutely. Yeah, Emma, uh, how do you well, what do you have any memories about this team? Yeah, Boozer getting waxed in that Lakers series. Like, <laughs> and me being like, good riddance, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I think I have to I think I have to either edit that out or like put an explicit tag on this um uh, this uh, this podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, it was um uh uh yeah, just uh, Boozer just was like we said, the length bothered him. That that Laker team was super lengthy, and Boozer being what six, I mean, if you, I bet you measured him with sh- without shoes, he wasn't six eight, you know. And then yeah. you know, like like he, he would explode to very short six eight. Yeah, like, and a, a lot of his uh, a lot of his layups were like underhand layups, and so he couldn't he couldn't get them in there. He couldn't shoot over over them, and so yeah, like Boozer just. It is what it is, um, uh, but you know. So the the cause of that team obviously was, you know, we, we were saying goodbye to Darren. Um, you know, he'd gone from two years ago, being you know the best point guard in the NBA, um, in the semi the West uh, Conference Final, excuse me, uh, to a team that hadn't gotten there yet again, and they were kind of like stalling. This was a team that was stalling. They couldn't get back over that hump. Um, and like they were having tough first round matchups, they didn't have the legs for second round matchups. Uh, Boozer and Okur were getting older, obviously. The Carolinco contract was still. Um, uh, uh, I apparently I either have an earthquake or a plane flying over my house. Carolinco uh, um, um, uh, was on the last year or two on on his max contract, and he was always injured. 
Um, the Jazz couldn't keep, you know, the Jazz had some good stories, but like Wes Matthews, again, one of the big what ifs in Jazz history is if they could have kept Wes Matthews, but the Jazz had already paid uh, the poison pill to keep Paul Millsap, which in my opinion was the right choice. So, um, but yeah, uh, any other um, uh, thoughts about this uh, team? I mean, the beating the Denver Nuggets was huge, you know, seven game series, you know, obviously when yeah. they passed the first round, but uh, it kind of feels like I'm a. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think if there's another team I can compare this to. Not lately. I mean, in a way, like, it, is... kind of, it, it kind of reminds me of when, I mean, just a couple of years ago when the Jazz had that really exciting, fun series against Oklahoma, Oklahoma City Thunder. Like, it was a cool series. It was fun. But as soon as they got matched up against a real, legit contender, it was all over. You know what I mean? Like, same kind of thing where the Jazz had one fun round in them, but the very next year, just our very next round, they didn't have enough in the tank. Yeah. <laughs> and the problem with uh, this team, the 0-9-10 team for me is that, like, it felt like, okay, cool. If the Jazz don't make a significant, I mean, having that, that number, you know, that lottery pick from the Knicks was huge, but we ended up being number nine and not number, you know, four or five. It was kind of a bummer or three or whatever, or first really, yeah. obviously. But, um, uh, you know, the Jazz still obviously got something pretty good out of it, but it was also like, okay, are the Jazz going to be, this is kind of like the mediocre spot. You don't want to be in that, like, you know, six to eight in the West every year spot. Like, were they going to get over the hump? Uh, was you know making Paul Millsap the starting power forward gonna gonna change that and yeah um, yeah it just uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of kind of it can't be right of the two thousand team like that other team that was a couple years away from being in the finals but you know their players were on their last legs and yeah yeah so but yeah so fun I team guess one, one other. Oh, sorry, real quick. One other fun memory I had about that year, too. Obviously, that was Darren Williams. He was an all-star that year, which was cool to see, you know, um, him be able to play in that game. And I did get the chance to go to a game early, and I had a Darren Williams uh, basketball card that I was able to – he was walking back to the tunnel. He autographed for me, and that was such a huge moment for me. I still have that card framed sitting on my dresser. So uh, (laughs) it definitely was a big deal and less an impact. Yeah, I love that D-Will card. It's one of my prized possessions still. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like when when there's a fire, that's what you go grab. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just for fun, I looked it up. And, uh, you know, I mentioned how Boozer played so well in that series against the the Nuggets. Uh, But then, for example, in that second round against the Lakers, in that game four, you know, when he had had the stare down, we said, no, it's not over. Like, we're still going to fight or whatever. He finished the game with 10 points. So uh, kind (laughs) of indicative of his struggles against, you know, the length of the Lakers and just kind of his inconsistency and up and downs that we saw that season as a whole. Thanks for listening to this episode. Also, thanks to our Utah sponsors, the Off-Broadway Theater in downtown Salt Lake and the Great Room Escape in Layton, Utah. If you have a second, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and all other podcast platforms. It helps us podcast out, and we will enter all written five-star reviews into a drawing for free tickets to either the Off-Broadway Theater or the Great Room Escape. Just write a five-star review, and you'll be entered to win. Uh, so, Mr. Woodcox, um, uh, so we I, we learned a little bit about you already. You um, uh, you said you went to uh, Utah State. Hey, Aggies, go all the way. Um, Heck yeah! Right. Um, uh, so, what else? Like, am I, what, how did you become a jazz fan? So, um, I was born in Utah. Uh, moved when I was uh, in it was really young uh, when I was four years old. But you know, it was always just kind of the team of my family, um, and so I just grew up loving the jazz. You know, followed them in every single way that I could. Um, I remember watching the finals um, when we were actually living in Washington state at the time and just bawling my eyes out when the jazz lost to Michael Jordan. And 
you know, just, I've been glued to and obsessed with them ever since. I've always been a huge Jets fan. You know, I, I loved Brian Russell, um, obviously Stockton Malone, all those guys. And, uh, just stuck with them my whole life. Uh, Jared Barker knows this, but my second favorite team is the Indiana Pacers. I actually, um, I, I follow the Pacers really closely as well and love them. They're kind of my, you know, if jazz are one, a, which they are Pacers are kind of one B a close second favorite there. Well, that's interesting. Cause I mean, I, I make a joke all the time that Pacers and jazz are just like the Eastern and Western, um, uh, uh, um, exactly. versions of each other, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, so it's hard. It's probably, it is probably, you, you talk about how hard it is to be an out of state Utah jazz fan because as you know, without game pass, you, you're limited to 10 to 12 games a year, you know? Right. Um, so, and so, yeah, just tell us, um, how hard was it to keep up in those, in those ages? Um, uh, like the internet was around and you get highlights, but like not being able to watch games, like how hard was that? Yeah, it was. And, and just real quick, I'll say, ironically, now it's actually easier to be an out of state fan. And I missed when I lived out of state with league pass because it was so much easier to watch all the jazz games on league pass than have to rely on AT&T Sportsnet. Uh, but that's a, that's a story for another day, but yeah, I mean, it was honestly like, um, it was a lot of box score analysis and, and, you know, checking box. I remember, you know, when I was in junior high and high school, we'd get the newspaper and I would literally check box scores in the newspaper after games and look and see who had a good game and stuff like that. Cause you know, even, even checking highlights online didn't come until later on. Um, so it was, you know, I was watching the schedule to see which games are going to be nationally televised, which ones are going to be either on the nuggets channel or the bulls channel that I could watch. Um, it was as much as possible. I, I remember when they made it so you could listen to the radio call online and, um, that was pretty, you know, monumental for me. It was fun to be able to listen while I did homework or other things, you know, out of state, uh, being able to keep up with the jazz, but yeah, definitely a challenge, but it, it's definitely paid off and been worth it and been fun to keep, uh, keep in touch or sorry, keep following them as much as I could in any way. Derek favors wants all the eggs and all the bacon. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine listening to David Luck every game. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness! Right, oh, and so, uh, and the, well, that's true fandom. Like, um, you're not being able to watch, like, um, uh, watch every game. Like, you gotta, you gotta really keep up with your teams. Um, uh, you know, through through other means. So that's awesome. Um, non statues, you know, not Stockton Malone. Is, are there any like, like I said, Wes Matthews is probably one of my top five players. So uh, Senko, yeah. you know, maybe not top, maybe top ten. Um, uh, are there any like guys that you feel like connected to that were, like, weren't the superstar players? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, there's, man, there's a ton. I could probably go on forever. And you know, obviously, I told Darren Williams, but I think he falls in that star category, obviously. But I mean, I, I was always a huge CJ Miles fan. Um, Kyle Korver, always one of my favorites. I was actually really bummed when the Jazz didn't uh, keep him this last time after they had traded for him. I, I hoped I was hoping he could retire at Jasmine because I've always loved Kyle Korver. Um, back in the day, I was really, I mentioned, you know, Brian Russell. Um, also, uh, I really liked like Antoine Carr, Chris Morris. Uh, and those guys are just, for some reason, guys I connected to and always really like to watch. Um, more recently, um, you know, we talked about Wes Matthews. He was also one of my favorites. Uh, Paul Millsap, another one I wish we could have kept longer. And this is a random one, but I think of all the players that have played for the Jazz only one year, um, one of the guys that I really enjoyed was Randy Foy. He was one that I, I enjoyed his time in a Jazz uniform and wish the Jazz could have kept him longer. So those are a few that come to mind right off the bat and, and been just so many fun players over the years for sure. Yeah, so that, I mean, is there any other teams that uh, 09, you know, 09 and 10 you said is your favorite. Is there another team that I'd say in the last 10 years that kind of gives you the same um, uh, hope that t- that team gave you? Um, did you say within the last 10 years? Yeah, let's say 10 years. Why not? Yeah. I mean, so I, um, 
I didn't get to follow, um, you know, the 10, 11, the 11, 12 teams. I was, I was serving an LDS mission during those years. So didn't get a ton of time to connect with them that, that first year back, you know, I had such high hopes for that team and they didn't even make in the playoffs. And then really it was the teams that, you know, really struggled under Corbin for a while. There was the early Quinn Snyder years. So really I'd say the one that has brought me the most excitement was probably the Donovan Mitchell rookie season, which I guess would have been, uh, that was 1819. Yeah. Or, sorry. Sorry. That was 1718. Yeah. 1718 has probably been my favorite one since uh, 0910, just because obviously even when they started out rough, like we all know they were the nine games or excuse me, the nine, yeah, nine games under 500, excuse me. Um, they were still fun to watch. Like they were still a fun team. They were exciting. And then when they really turned things up that second half of the year and had that awesome playoff series against OKC, it was just a really fun and rewarding year, especially following the the painful year that was the, with Gordon Hayward leaving um, that year was fun too, though. You know, Gordon Hayward's last year in a jazz uniform was fun. I just felt like I enjoyed the players that were on it the next year, obviously with Donovan and with favors really fitting in well with, with Donovan, uh, Ricky Rubio obviously had that, that great end of the year in his first year with the jazz. So I'd say that's probably my second favorite team since that time. Yeah. I mean, I, that's a, that's a great pick. I know a lot of people, I mean, we just, they had on ATT sports the other day, the jazz thunder playoff game that the jazz and the uh got the yeah. victory so games game six i mean there's a lot of good memories of that team because donovan was young and, and stuff um uh, uh so you, you said you watched the finals um uh is there any uh like besides that about those darren williams teams i mean i'm assuming that the darren williams arrow is probably your favorite era or is it the john stock yeah. era i mean yeah, the john stock I'm alone for nostalgia's sake and, and, you know, it is obviously the best there in jazz history. And I still remember watching obviously when John Stockton hit that shot to send him to the finals against the Rockets, I can still have like vague memories of that. I was, I was pretty young at the time. Um, but as far as being a lot more like understanding basketball and, and being, you know, a little bit more coherent, um, the, the Darren Williams years definitely are my favorite era. Um, cause when the jazz, I was born in 91. So when the jazz were in the finals, obviously I was, you know, six and seven years old. So while I remember it and it was fun and exciting, I was still pretty little at the time. So definitely I'd say Darren Williams area is my favorite. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to let Jared Barker ask a question here. I give him a second here, but my last question for you, Jared Wilcox. Um, uh, so you're a writer, you're a managing editor for a Mountain post. I'm a big jazz fan, obviously great space yeah. to get into. What what made you start writing? What made you think that, hey, you know what? I want to start writing sports content to put out there. Yeah. Um, so I've always loved writing. It's 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 my passion. And um, I won't go too much into this, but, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time. I like to write stories. I'm actually working on my own book. That's been my quarantine project is trying to really work a lot on my book. But <laughs> I've always liked to write. And um, I... I originally just started, I was, I was, you know, I was working in the Utah state athletic department, um, actually in, in not even in writing in corporate sponsorships, but I wanted to find a way to be able to write about sports. Cause it was kind of my favorite way to do things. And so I started at a website called iSports web that I don't even think exists anymore, but really great crew that ran that site. They just took me under their wing. I was able to write about the jazz and the Pacers. And then, um, after a while there, I was recruited to write for fan sided. Um, wrote for fans sided for a while for about a year before I was able to become uh, one of the editors of, of it was purple and blues at the time now called the J notes, um, the fan sided site. And I wrote for them for a really long time in that capacity. And um, without going into too much detail, uh, just got a little bit disenchanted uh, with writing uh, with, for fan sided and wanted to do my own thing. And so uh, Ryan Aston, who also wrote for fan sided for a long time, him and I decided to branch out and, really try our hands at our own site and uh it's been a lot of fun so far it's been a lot of work and it's been you know a pretty big risk but we're excited to see where it takes us hopefully we'll actually have some games to cover soon but that's been my journey as far as covering sports 
Right. All right, Jared Barker, what do you got? Man, you're preaching to the choir with that fan side and stuff. Goodness gracious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, like I said, I won't go into too much detail because it, it gets my blood boiling, but I'm excited used- to be doing our own thing and, and be our own bosses, you know? This is how I know. Uh, this is actually how I know Jared Woodcox is. He used to be one of uh, one of my editors over there. Um, yeah, yeah, well, good do times. You, do you know? Do you know what happened to the the Twitter handle, the J Notes Twitter handle? Did it get reported or something? Like, um, so we, I don't know the specifics. Um, there was a, we had a lot of issues to where it would be like temporarily deactivated, and oh. we would have to like authenticate and do a captcha and i would always bring it up that hey something's funky with this with our account but of course we don't have any like we don't have any admin access all we have is the username and the password and and we're able to get on it and post stuff right but um eventually what happened is it had been it had been like temporarily disabled too many times and even though i brought it up nothing had changed to where it got to the point where you have to enter in a phone number in order to be able to recover it and of course we didn't have that phone number Turned out our superiors didn't know the phone number and there was no way to recover it. So it's just shut down and I don't know when it's going to come back up. That was one of the frustrations that led me to leave is we didn't even have a Twitter page. RIP the J notes, Twitter handle. Yeah. Uh, But I will say quick shout out though, Caleb and Zach, who are now the editors of the J notes are both awesome. They're both incredible. I love their work and I'm super happy that they got the, the side expert roles over there because they do really good stuff. So make sure you guys are also keeping up with them over at the J notes. Even, even if you can't follow them like a J notes, Twitter, follow um, uh, Caleb Manser and uh, Zach Padmore. They do great work. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those guys have been working for this, working with the site for a long time. So yeah, they do good stuff. Yeah. They kind of started under us and now they're running the show. They're doing a great job. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that that sounded like an explosion over at the old uh, J Note site. I uh, forget it. That's two <laughs> blocks away. It looks like there's beer coming out of the chimney. <laughs> I'm proceeding Man. on foot, calling a code eight, code eight. We need pretzels. pretzels. I repeat, we need pretzels. pretzels. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is that like a, that's that was a stretch there, sir. But you did it. Yes, it was. It really was. But that was all time. Like that is like the. Bar none, best episode of April Fool's tomfoolery out there. The Simpsons yeah. April Fool's episode. If you're looking for something to entertain yourself while you're in quarantine, Disney hop Plus, on Disney baby. Plus and watch that. <laughs> uh, Joe, well, I guess one more, one last question. We'll make it quick here. Um, uh, so okay. we talked about last off season. You know, Boyan, Mike Conley, pretty good off season for the Jazz, right? Um, uh, the Jazz right. have a couple. Do you? How do you feel about the Jazz's chances this off season of getting pieces to? You know, not just make them a good team, but a team that can contend, the top four team in the West, a team that can contend with the yeah. Clippers, the Lakers, and whoever's in the East, the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, you know, I thought the Jazz were going to be right there after this last offseason. I was pretty bullish on what they had done. Um, one of the most frustrating things about the timing of, obviously, this coronavirus pandemic, which I know is, you know, fully out of all of our control, but I felt like Mike Conley was just starting to get into his own. And what's unfortunate, though, is we never really got a chance to see a um, a well-fitting Mike Conley, a, a Rudy Gobert that actually was trying hard, and then just, a, you know, a full roster all, all together. You know what I mean? Because it was like at the beginning of the year, we had Rudy locked in, but Conley wasn't right, and then Conley got hurt. And then finally, we get Conley back, and by the time Conley's back, all of a sudden, it seems like Rudy Gobert is giving up on defense. He's not really trying hard. He's He's pouting. So we never really got to see this team at optimal strength. Um, but I, I do still have optimism for Conley, especially based on what we saw right before, about the month or so before uh, the league suspension. 
So I, I hope that that is a good sign and the Jazz get a chance to resume the season and we can see some good Conley minutes that give us some optimism for next year. Um, if Conley is going to be as inconsistent as he's been all year, I just don't know that we have the means to be a title contender next year um, with how much of our cap space he's taking up, unless we were to orchestrate some sort of trade. I mean, one thing I didn't mention in my article about, you know, who's going to stay and who's going to go is Conley will be on an expiring contract, albeit a large one. It would only be for one year. So you could maybe see a scenario where, you know, some teams willing to take him on just to, you know, maybe get out of a, a tough cap situation. Uh, my dream scenario would be if somehow the Jazz could pull off a trade that would send expiring contract Conley to the Wizards to get Bradley Beal. Maybe Beal finally decides he's sick of being in a losing situation with the Wizards. Again, I don't think that's going to happen, but that would be like my pipe dream situation of something along those lines. Um, or it's just that Conley turns things around and becomes the Conley that we know he can be or that he showed towards the end of the year. Um, so I guess, I, I, sorry, I'm probably taking longer to answer this than I should have, but if the, I think the Jazz still have a ceiling with their current roster where they could potentially be a dark horse title contender. But if Rudy is not going to be the Rudy we need him to be, if Conley is over the hill um, and we kind of keep the same team next year, I don't know what we could potentially do to get better. I don't think there's enough out there that we could do in order to become a true title contender, unfortunately. And that's, uh, well, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll see. Let's let's get the season back up the starter first, see what they do in the playoffs. And then, um, uh, and then we'll see. I mean, I, I'm I'm starting the offseason talk a little too soon, but you know, I figured since we're here, yeah. right? <laughs> All right, we'll get, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, Mr. Woodcox. Thank you so much for joining us today. Again, you can follow him um, at the Purple Mountain Post um, uh, dot com. Uh, he's got some articles up there. Uh, another uh, jazz Twitter guide, Clint Peterson, has been writing articles there. Um, what do you guys have any articles that you can tease for us? Um, yeah, you know, I've been thinking about doing one that would be we look at a bunch of different, uh, you know, options for if the NBA does resume, there's a bunch of ways they could potentially do the playoffs and looking at some fun, different matchups. The jazz could be some of them realistic, some of them maybe not so realistic, but just kind of a, a playoff preview based on some of the fun options the NBA could go with. So keep your eyes out for that one. Probably going to drop you to this week or next week. Championship. Nice. All right, Jared. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. You got a birthday. Com- uh, sorry, Jared Barker. You got a birthday coming up. I'm uh do you have Zoom? Like, should we have a high night, high notes Zoom party for you? I suppose we could, but I, I do have Zoom. But uh, what what movie would you like us to watch on your birthday together? Ah, uh, that's a tough call, man. I honestly don't know. Like that's the thing is, I I know you did a Discord with some other guy. Like personally, if I go to movie like the movie theater with friends, I will whisper during the movie to my friends, and uh, you know I'm not loud, but like I'll say things like, "Oh, see," I, and this- that's that's the thing, like. I, I was like, why are we even watching this together? If like you're, he said, I'm going to mute you. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> and, and like, I didn't, hadn't even said anything at that point. And I'm just like, uh, uh why are we watching this? Then, like, yeah, I don't I, understand. Like, I will. I, I've only seen one movie with Jared. Uh, it was uh, uncut gems, but Jared, I, oh, I, do, yeah. I will say this. You are a loud whisperer. Like you'd be like, oh, I'm yeah. like, dude, you, uh, you are oh, shouting at me. You are shouting at me in this theater right now, sir. (laughs) We are right (laughs) next to each other. You are freaking out. You were like, you were like, like, you were like living, you were like living that movie, like because you because you gamble sometimes, and you were like, oh no, what uh, is he doing? No, I was like, why would you do that? I've been there. You don't bet the house on that. Stop it. You pay pay that debt off first. Oh, Oh, dude, he started doing crazy stuff in that movie. That's so funny. (laughs) Excuse me. Oh, it's it's wet cough. It's a wet cough. All right. Um, so folks, I'm going to thank you for joining. I'm hitting the high coronavirus. You can, follow, uh, you can follow our Twitter and Instagram at jazz high notes. We each run one of the accounts at jazz high notes. 
we're trying to get uh, a book or something to give away. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot more retro jazz look, looks uh, going on. So uh, we'll have another episode next week. And uh, we'll see you guys later.